Hi, I'm Dr. Drew, and this is Dr. Drew After Dark. Please be advised that Dr. Drew After Dark may contain sexually oriented content and be unsuitable for young children. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dr. Drew After Dark. I appreciate all those voice messages. I hope you had a great holiday. Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, be sure to check out some merch uh, at the merchmethod.com slash Tom Segura, the merchandise for this show and, of course, all of your mom's house stuff. Uh, don't forget to email us at drdrewafterdark at gmail.com. And, of course, that number for the voice message is 818-253-1693. And stay tuned. One of the new features of the new year may be us calling you back and actually interacting with you on the phone or Zooming or Skyping or something. So uh, look forward to that and more. And also send us your suggestions for the new year, what, what you think we ought to be doing, what more you'd like to see, who you'd like to see back, who you'd like to see we haven't had so far. Speaking of somebody we haven't had so far, Kate Kennedy, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Saw you on your mom's house and I thought, oh, she needs to be on my show. <laughs> we need to get Kate over here. Thank you. Yeah, you tweeted at me afterwards. It was very exciting. Oh, yeah. good. Well, thank congratulations. <laughs> it, it was really good. Yeah. Um, so, so what we do here is, you know, sort of try to understand people and mm-hmm. what their life's been like and what's going on. And um, how did you frame it, Dadav, that comedians and, and Kate's work are the, the same? Um, you know that you know people might be going through some of the same traumas that would make you go into comedy or into adult work. Yeah, I sensible, think that's, reasonable. I think yeah, it's very fair. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a reasonable thing. Mm-hmm. So you grew up where? Uh, Colorado. What part of Colorado? Um, outside of Boulder, it's a little town called Longmont. Like South Park, essentially. Yes, it's very <laughs> similar to South Park. Actually, when I went to school, I went to school in Boulder, and I lived right down the street from where Matt and Trey used to live. It's called the Matt Parker Trace Stone House, though. Weird, right? Yeah, they got kicked out, but they did get honorary degrees later. Oh, well. Yeah. See? <laughs> see? See? Be careful who you kick out. Yeah, a friend of mine uh, who became a journalist was studying in uh, Uganda or something, and she said there were two guys there studying the Ugandan culture and trying mm-hmm. to get everything. And then these two guys... When she asked them what why they were there studying all this, so they were, they were writing a musical. She was like, writing a musical, it's a, which was the Book of Mormon. Oh, that's awesome! And so they actually went to Uganda to study what was going on there before they actually wrote the Book of Mormon, which is insane. Um, so you grew up in Colorado, and how was your upbringing? Your parents together? Yeah, they're still together. Um, my family's kind of interesting. They're all very. Everyone, I have one sister. Everyone in my family is very independent. They're all very intelligent. And they're all very stubborn. Mm. Um, so we all, and my parents were older when they had kids. So they, How old? Uh, well, I say older now and I'm like rapidly approaching this age. <laughs> they fell older than my friend's parents. I think they were in their mid thirties when they had kids. Ancient. Ancient. I oh know. God. I say that because they already had lives. Like, I think that's an important distinction in the way you raise kids. Like my parents already had friends and hobbies and their kids were not going to be their life. They were going to be a part of their life. Okay. So we always were kind of like little adults. Oh, you were you were mm-hmm. sort of parentalized. Did you have to take care of your parents? Uh, No, no, not in that way. Just that they never talked to us like kids. They always talked to us like we were adults. That's good. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's a good. Thing. And, and what did your parents do? Uh, my dad works for Apple. He's a hardware designer. Um, and my mom's crazy. Stayed, I know. He's a very, very smart guy. He's very talented. Did he benefit from all that growth? Yes. Did he, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he has. Um, when I was a kid, he was a different kind of engineer. He didn't start doing that till I was an adult. But mm-hmm. he's worked for a bunch of different. He's one of the reasons why the fingerprint scanner on your iPhone works. No kidding. Yeah. Interesting. I know. He's a, he's a cool dude. My mom stayed home when I was a kid. And then later she taught school. <laughs> um, and now she tutors kids with dyslexia and dysgraphia, actually. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I apologize. I've got this upper respiratory thing. I've been coughing a lot. And so apologies to everybody um and dysgraphia interesting mm-hmm. yeah any kind of learning disability so basically what she works with uh i think it's under title nine that they allow for accommodations 
Um, and she has a whole reading system that helps them because they're very intelligent kids, but they learn differently. Has she seen any bizarre dysgraphias? Like anything uh, sort of? She said it usually presents the same. Like a lot of times kids will, you know, write their name backwards or E's are a big one. Like they'll write their E's backwards always. So interesting. Mm -hmm. And you, did you go to college? You yes, I did. I went mm -hmm. to CU Boulder. I graduated in 2016 and I studied uh, journalism and art history. And, and your work, what'd you do? How'd you start that? Uh, so I was a year out of school and I was living in Denver and I didn't know, I kind of got out of school and was like, oh shit, what am I going to do? And common. I, right. <laughs> I didn't feel like it was common. Normal. Yeah. At the time I felt like I was a loser. And How I long ago was that? Uh, it was 2016, 2017. Would you think that was the beginning of the time when people needed to start training in in marketable skills during college when people sort of started realizing that oh if i didn't get my engineering degree in college what yeah. am i gonna do yeah that was yeah. Sort of starting to happen then yeah. it's it didn't occur to me yeah. i was like studying like theoretical architectural history and like i was like i could definitely get a job in this no no i couldn't <laughs> so a year and you're doing nothing yeah so a year later i'm doing nothing i was really into lifestyle bdsm at the time in my personal life so i like worked at a dungeon um i worked at the door i checked ids it wasn't maybe sexy. kate ought to meet uh rpc maybe we should uh bring a little <laughs> a little piece of that history in here you think guys you're laughing, but I'm serious. Wait, you mean bring R RPC in here? Or no, maybe a little, a little clip of okay. his, his leather life. Yeah, I'll, oh, okay. I'll, print, I'll print some stuff. Yeah, because he's an interesting fellow who uh, was in the deep in the scene in mm -hmm. the 70s in New Oh, York very cool. Okay, I've yeah. talked to some of the old timers like that are really interesting. I went to the Leather History Museum and Archives in Chicago one time. It was so cool. And so and what do you think attracted you to all that? Um, You know, it was something I'd always been interested personally sexually in. But why? What do you think? Um, I think I'm a person that's attracted to extremes. I like adrenaline. I like, you know, really pushing limits as far as that kind of stuff goes. Are you and an addict, do you think? No, I don't think so. I have really healthy relationships with substances and and relationships with other people, too. Hmm. Um, I think I just, I like to explore things and I like to understand them. Um, and it was just something that a lot of times too, something will pique my interest just out of nowhere and I'll go, my reaction to anything new is to just go learn all about it. But that's kind of a specific thing, right? Mm -hmm. and it's not a thing that has like an algorithmic solution to it or some sort of study. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a phenomena, right? Kind of. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of like study as far as like, like academically, like Psycho like psychology wise. Did you do all that work too? I did a lot of it. I helped teach classes on um, ethical non-monogamy and polyamory um, and then classes on the physiology of it too. You know, like I always called it how to be your girlfriend 101 <laughs> safely because <laughs> there's certain ways where you can do impact, especially in a BDSM way that are safe and there's some that are not safe. And what is the not safe? So you never want to hit the spine. You never want to hit the kidneys. Um, in terms of actually causing injury. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in terms of causing internal injury. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you have to teach people that it's hard. Throwing a flogger is not something you just pick up. Throwing a what? A flogger. Like a, it's whipping somebody. Yeah, whipping somebody. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult. Cat I of nine tails. Yes, I still can't use a bullwhip. I'm way too small. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, it's, there's a ton that goes into it. It's a whole world and people are really nerdy about it. And, and are there certain things that certain people are attracted to, do you think? I mean, is there any patterns to the, the, what people are into? In terms of people that get into BDSM? That and also the kinds of things within BDSM they get into. 
Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely subcultures within it. Like rope is a really big one. Um, the shibari bondage. Kind but I mean, of stuff. the people that are attracted to that. What can we? What kind of patterns can we see? Or, oh, yeah. Hmm. You know, you get people from all walks of life. I think that's kind of a, an important thing to talk about when we talk about that because it's it can be very stigmatizing, especially I think the way that we talk about sexuality in our country, especially, um, is that you know if you're attracted to this kind of stuff, if you want to be tied up and whipped or whatever, um, you're somehow wrong or broken or bad. When a lot of people you can be a good person and still be interested in wanting to do that well right and and so we're not talking about good versus bad yeah. we're just talking about psychological makeup yeah, yeah. or personality profiles or certain kinds of mm-hmm. arousal systems and how those arousal systems are set yeah you know, anything growing up that sort of got into your head do you think um i grew up catholic so and i grew up in a pretty rigid environment especially academically i went to catholic schools and stuff and that definitely manifests in my sexuality so i love really pedantic rules and and so uh, and uh, was there a lot of like devil stuff the devil's gonna get you and um yeah a little bit of that especially in high school weirdly i don't know why um but a lot of it was just very a very kind of strict Regimented, yeah, and corporal punishment a little bit, yeah. What they do, my high school, I had a teacher that used to whack me with a ruler. Mm. I know this was in 2012. That's insane, yeah. I know it's Colorado, it's totally still legal at private schools, yeah. I know. Uh, where where did she hit you? Or he? Uh, he but he would like whack you on the thigh if you weren't paying attention, he'd just come up and have a yardstick and just smack, yeah. That just the thigh? Was there any other? It's usually just the thigh. I think I had I heard of a couple of kids that had like a ruler on their hands because that once hurts or twice. on the hands and the knuckles. Does and stuff. hurt. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and do you do you do any of this stuff dressed up like a nun or anything? Or <laughs> uh, do you have a fantasy about that? Or? I did get to do a porno this year where I got to play a naughty Catholic schoolgirl that ended up getting gang banged by like three priests. And that was really fun for me. You liked that. that I that loved was, it. That was right in your zone. It was your, right in my alley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, <laughs> I wanted to be an altar server, and they said that was too hot button. So. <laughs> oh, you, you wanted to play a boy? You were, no, oh, oh, I girls can do it too. Yeah, girls can oh, do it too. Okay, I was okay. an altar server growing I up. I see. I see. Mm-hmm. And, and was there any sexual abuse by no. anybody when you were growing up? No. Okay. It was boring. It was just, uh, John Mulaney has a bit about this, but he's like, it was something lame my mom made me do on Sundays. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting to me. And and were, did they? And did your parents keep buttoning you down too? Were they also part of the the strict? Uh, they tried system? to for sure. Um, they weren't like, I wouldn't call them needlessly strict. Um, but they definitely weren't. When like, did the first like hair pop out of <laughs> out of the bun? <laughs> it was kind of always out. I uh, was always a kid that was very. I questioned things and I was not quiet about it. And I, yeah. other than the 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 root the stick, did that get you any trouble? Um, I was in trouble all the time in high school. In what way? Constantly. Uh, I was late all the time. I lived twenty miles away from where I went to high school, mm. and I carpooled with seventeen other people. Oh my god! Yeah. So if one person was late, we were all going to be late. This this whole adolescence feels like a BDSM <laughs> experience. It's been a weird life. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like. Okay. So I was late all the time. I got in trouble for talking back a lot or for cursing because I would do, I still do. I think that's one of those things as an adult that they don't tell you. Are you somebody easily bored? Yes, I'm very, very easily, easily bored. bored. Yes. And do you have, and this is, gonna, I don't, and this is not meant to be pejorative. This isn't a factual kind of question. Mm-hmm. Do you have trouble 
understanding or connecting to certain emotions? Yes, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yes. Uh, and, and does that also make empathy difficult for you? I wouldn't say empathy is difficult for me. Um, I tend to go one way or the other. It's either too much or not at all. And when it's too much, give me how that manifests. Um, sometimes I get really upset about things that have no bearing on my life. Like, give me an example. Um, like if one of my friends is going through a really hard time or something, and even though it doesn't directly affect me, um, I can get very upset about that. Am I upset? Do you mean angry? No, just sad usually. Sadness. Mm -hmm. So sadness is an emotion you know. Yes. What, what emotions do you have difficulty with? Um, hmm. Is it the more kind of nuanced feelings? The more nuanced feelings. I have trouble pinning down other people's emotions. Uh -huh. I'm not good at reading people's emotions. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah. And, and are there? do you miss emotions? Like let's say you're doing a BDSM thing and somebody's mm -hmm. really afraid. Would you miss the fear? I wouldn't miss it in that kind of context because you're so tuned to the consent aspect of it. And because I went through so many you know, classes and training for that kind of stuff to watch people's reactions. Um, but in other scenarios, yes, oftentimes I will bulldoze right through somebody's emotions because I just don't know that they're having them. So the only way to, to know emotions in other people for you is to look at specific signs of mm -hmm. emotions. So you don't actually feel the emotion. You just see the It's a very analytical thing. Yeah. Right. Do you ever have to do that in yourself too? Yes. Okay, so emotions. <laughs> and, if you're, and if you're expected to be emotional, mm -hmm. let's say it's... I don't know, some setting where people are, yeah. how, how do you handle that? Um, I usually just try to get out of it, especially if I'm uncomfortable. Funerals you, or weddings, I'm like, I shouldn't want to go smoke a cigarette outside. Do you ever behave in a way to pretend you're being emotional? Like as if you were emotional, but you really weren't having the feeling? Um, I try not to. I don't think I do that a lot. But you do it some? Probably sometimes, yeah. <clears throat> Interesting. And have you ever been concerned about that? Or does that ever, all these sort of mechanisms worry or bother yeah. you? I mean, it's, it's been difficult for me my whole life in terms of especially relationships, especially romantic relationships. I but bet. in terms of friendships, I didn't have a lot of close friends growing up because I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to like read people's emotions and know what they're going through. And right. I can often come off as callous right, when right. I don't realize. Whereas if they, I expect people to just tell me what they're feeling. I'm right. very much the person that will tell you exactly what I think and exactly what I feel. And it doesn't occur to me that not everybody else does that. Got it. And and how do you deal with moral dilemmas? Um, I have a really strong sense of morality, actually. So you have a real deep compass in mm -hmm. there. Yeah. yeah. But it's is it mathematical? Um, that's more of a let, gut let me, thing. Let me, let, me, can, let me do a little experiment with you. Okay. Okay. Uh, a trolley's going down the track, mm -hmm. five people are in it, and you can pull a trigger. If you pull a lever, it'll come off that track and kill one guy, but save the five. Mm -hmm. Are you going to pull the lever? I think I'd pull the lever. Yeah. I've heard that one before. Okay. I think I'd pull the lever. How about you're on a bridge now, and there's a big fat guy sitting next to you with a big giant backpack, and you know that if you push this guy off the bridge, you're going to save 10 people in the, in the trolley, uh, but this guy's going to die when you push him off. And you'd have to physically push him yourself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a harder one. It, it's harder because you think it's supposed to be harder or is it harder because you're actually feeling something? It's harder because you're physically interacting with him. You're not just pulling so the, a lever farther away. So the away. proximity makes you feel something? Mm-hmm. And what is, what is that feeling? I would feel guilty. I'd feel guilt. terrible, yeah. So you have guilt and, and mm -hmm. do you have shame too? Um, I don't think shame. Shame but, is not, a, but I mean, it's, it's something you can feel? Oh, I can feel shame. You can feel shame. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not so much. I mean, 
I think I feel shame. I don't think I feel shame about the things that most people would typically feel shame about. Give an example. Well, I can be naked in front of hundreds and hundreds of people, and right. I, there's no shame in that. Right. Um, obviously, my butthole's all over the internet, and I'm Congratu not embarrassed about this at all. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, there's certain things, yeah. Why just your butthole? Uh, well, I feel like that's my best feature. That's your special, of, yeah. special specialize in... <laughs> Kate's butthole. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's always kind of, I just think it's a funny word. So that's always what I, yes, whenever good, people good. ask me what I do, that's what I tell them. You buy buttholes famous on the internet. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that doesn't make shame. What does create shame? Um, if I react to something the wrong way, like the other day I was having a conversation with somebody, just like a text conversation. And I realized I said something so stupid that was just, it was just a really dumb thing to say. It was an embarrassing thing to say. And I was kind of ashamed of that. And I still have not replied to this person since then because I don't want to. So is it more embarrassment than shame? Because those are different emotions, right? Um, a little bit. I think they're kind of tied together for me. For you, they go together. Mm -hmm. and, and do you do, you do comedy too? Yes, I do. Yeah. And, and what's your stand-up like? Um, I do a lot of porn jokes, obviously. Um, I try not to get pigeonholed in it because I you know, don't want to just do that. But it does make people pay attention and sit up a little straighter. So it's a good, if you want to get what, the audience on your side. What's right your away. opening volley to get him in? Uh, do you think that Salman Rushdie was mad that he had to write the entire satanic verses in order to get a fatwa declared against him <laughs> when all Mia Khalifa had to do was suck dick in a hijab? <laughs> Clever. Thank you. Clever. Thank you. Send your cards and letters to <laughs> Kate Kennedy. Nothing like a good Salman Rushdie <laughs> joke to just I, really. I'm not sure that's the part of it that's going to get people upset. <laughs> but okay. Uh, so, so really interesting. Uh, and, and so you're, so the, 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 so it feels like to me, mm -hmm. like you're super high arousal person. You need stimulation, mm -hmm. like ridiculous. Like mm -hmm. you need levels of stimulation. And that's where a lot of the BDSM stuff, cause you thought, oh, I could get that there. Uh, and lo and behold, I can. Mm -hmm. You also need cognitive stimulation. You need intellectual stimulation yes. too, right? So this hit both buttons for you. I have right? very severe ADHD. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the BDSM stuff goes, you know, it goes in waves. Um, I was very into it. It was almost a little bit of a phase. I was so into it for a couple of years. And then, I mean, I think sexuality is always fluid and, and changing. Uh -huh as we grow and, and meet different people. Um, since I've been like a professional, like adult performer, I find I'm less into that. Um, less into BDSM? Less into BDSM, less into extreme sex in general. Um, because you're getting the stimulation doing the porns? I'm getting the stimulation. I also now associate the stimulation with work. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Um, it's a good thing as far as work goes, because I can you know get on and turn it on and be there and do a good job. Um, but in my personal life, I find I'm less interested in some insane, very extreme scene. Um, I would rather with, with somebody you care about or somebody you're close to. I would rather just have fun, enthusiastic sex with somebody that I care about. I, I'm not getting you. So, so you'd rather have it at work and you'd rather have it in real life. Oh, in real life. I okay. think sex is better in real life. Got it. Yeah. But I thought you were having trouble with relationships. Um, I do. I mean, I do always have trouble in relationships, but I work really hard on that because I do recognize those things about myself. So often, like when I'm in a relationship with somebody, I just had to do this actually. Um, I will stop if I feel like I'm gonna bulldoze over them and I'll just tell them very point blank, I need you to tell me exactly what you're feeling. Even if it's uncomfortable, I'm not gonna judge you, but I need to know because I can't tell. Did, did you have any, what you call bulldozing experiences and not necessarily even, I'm, I'm wondering if you did that as a child too with your peers. 
Oh, I'm sure I did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and nothing that you remember or bothers you to this day or anything. Um, hmm. Nothing super specific. It doesn't bother you, but it doesn't bother me. Mm. But I'm not a. I don't super dwell on things in the past usually. Um, but I know I've done it in relationships, especially as an adult. Like I pretty much every relationship I've had, I've done that in. So. Do you have regrets? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you regret? Um, I haven't always handled things right. Um, I had an ex in Colorado that you know I had started doing this kind of porn stuff and was going off and. He was really okay with it, and I look back now and realize I left him in the dust, hmm. and um, and that wasn't very fair. He, he was okay with it. Or he wasn't okay with he it. He was at first, but then I just kind of I was on to that. I'm always an on to the next thing kind of person. Like this is exciting and cool, and I want to go do this instead. And if someone's not right there with me, doing it with me, then I just will keep going and leave them behind. Right. Mm -hmm. And and, and do you, are your parents aware of what you're doing? Mm -hmm. Do they have any issues with that? Yeah, they're not thrilled. Not um. thrilled. <laughs> Is is one more or less thrilled than the other? Um, I think they're both pretty equal. Um, they also don't. My, I think my mom doesn't get it as much as my dad quite does, just because my mom is very sheltered as a person. Like she thought dildo was just a funny nonsense word for like ten years, and we didn't tell her, and she kept using it, and then she found out she was really mad at us. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and is one of them also a high arousal person like you? No, I don't think either of them are. Any interesting history in either side of the family? Um, I guess a little bit. Uh, I have a lot of, uh, like depression runs in my family. Um, there's a lot of, I didn't know this, but like, I think my great grandfather like walked in front of a train, yeah. like his wife had been really sick and he, I didn't know this until my dad randomly told me cause it was a train accident. He was very upset about it. Uh, I was like, what? I'm sorry. It was I'm, his father. It right? was his great, it was his grandfather. So it's your great -grandfather. great grandfather. And there was, he was like texting me about it and he's, this is so sad. And. I was like, okay, yeah, but this is a weird reaction to have to a, a train accident where you don't know anyone in it. Right. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's how my grandpa died. And I was like, okay, you could have told me. Any outlaws on either side of the family? Um, I don't think so. I think I have a great-great-grandfather that, like, left his wife and kids and moved to Australia. <laughs> but I think Random. that might be, like, a legend. Not to be a bank robber, though. No. Just to move to Australia. Yeah. I have a cousin that, like, runs an ayahuasca retreat in South America. Oh, that's interesting. I know. He's one of my favorite cousins. You ever thought about doing that? Uh, no, I'm not really a hippie like that. Well, it's not a necessarily a hippie thing anymore. It's it's sort of an exploration thing. I guess, yeah. And, whoa, I thought you meant like going in South America and running. Or oh, no, no. <laughs> I mean actually doing the ayahuasca. Or oh, yeah. Yeah, I would consider that for that'd, sure. that'd be interesting. I'd be mm -hmm. so interested in how that worked for you with mm -hmm. all this stuff we're talking about, whether it connected you to stuff better. Yeah. Showed you something. It'd be very interesting, right? I found I microdose sometimes with mushrooms, and mm -hmm. I find that makes me much more empathetic. That's been an interesting... I've only recently started doing that the last like year that's um, my I, I have a vague theory mm -hmm. zero data that's why i asked the question yeah. that the kind of stuff you're describing might be improved with certain hallucinogens mm -hmm. and so it's very interesting that you've sort of gravitated that i don't know if that's really you making that stuff better or are you just going for more arousal again right right do you can you tell um i think it's probably me trying i'm in a phase in my life right now where i think i'm really trying to figure out who i am and how I deal with things and kind of improve on the parts that I'm lacking in. So I think it's more of that. Give an example what you mean. Uh, like the communication thing. I'm really, I've the last few years, uh, and a big part of it was with women too. I did not have good relationships with women my whole life. Um, I'm bisexual, but I didn't accept it till my early 20s. 
because I didn't even have girlfriends. I didn't know how to, women and men communicate very differently. Mm -hmm. Men tend to communicate more on a level that I can understand because they tend to be more blunt. And, and sort of, yeah. They tend to just tell you what they think. Um, <coughs> right. Whereas with women, it's, it's way more nuanced. Game. Yes, yeah. and even just in, yeah, just the way they think. And um, that's always been really hard for me. So I made a really concentrated effort, probably like ages 21 to like 23, um, where I just really worked on that. I feel like that'd be an interesting area of study for you, mm -hmm. you know, the female brain and then those those mechanisms you're talking about yeah. and what that really is. You'd, you'd probably see it a little more clearly than the average person. It's And I think it's interesting because I don't know how much of it is socialization and how much of we it is We don't know. You can't extract yeah, it. You, you, can't, can't. you can't extract it. But but people, for whatever reason, are unwilling to talk about what is. Mm -hmm. And it'd be interesting to talk about what is so we can we can get things to what should. Yes. If we want to make things better, let's mm -hmm. let's get with what is and let's start solving. And yeah. people won't even start with that anymore for fear of whatever right yeah yeah. And I, yeah I think there's a, a very much a fear of saying like oh we're we're too different because then it's well, saying we're not equal we are or we're stigmatizing or we're, we're mm -hmm. marginalizing or whatever yeah no. no we're just trying to get to the truth <laughs> just the truth everybody and whatever caused the truth whether it's the environment mm -hmm. or the genetics doesn't matter yep. it's the truth we want to know the truth so please everybody <laughs> don't be afraid of that um what arouses you now what's like an arousing i mean what's something you like you know what I mean? Like you yeah. must be difficult to now. It must be harder for you to get aroused, right? Um, lately, especially this past year, it's been like emotional intimacy. What? I know. That's arousing for you. I know. I'm getting old. It's so weird. Emotional intimacy. How do you know you've got that? Um, when someone knows you really well, and when you just feel safe with somebody, and and feeling like you can, especially for me, feeling like I can be myself and not have to i think especially being a public persona to an extent where people expect you to be this like sexual fantasy mm. um getting to be with somebody who just likes you for who you are and appreciates that and doesn't expect more than that that's a, a big thing for me so so I, i'm not sure that's truly emotionally intimacy so much as just safety yeah, I guess it's safety. Well, I guess someone that can be emotionally honest with you too. Oh. Um, so somebody who can really expose themselves to you. So, yeah. So you can expose yourself exactly. to them. Got it. Mm -hmm. got it. Now let's get back to the show. Well, we've got a whole bunch of stuff to take you through. Cool. A whole bunch. Uh, I've got a, a, since we've been talking about sexuality and stuff, I've mm -hmm. got some uh, emails to begin with. And this is a follow-on email uh, to uh, Kelsey Cook, I think, right? She okay. said something... Thanks for addressing the subject of mul multiple orgasms and the judgment that happens with women on both sides. You know what she's talking about? Yeah. What's she talking about? Just in terms of multiple orgasms? Yeah. That that. What I hear all the time is when when a woman says, "Oh yeah, I can have multiple orgasms sequentially," mm -hmm. or just you know, that uh, a gigantic population of females will go, "She's lying. <laughs> she's lying," and the other mm -hmm. side will be pissed. <laughs> so. Okay. And, yeah, I totally get yeah. that. Uh, I wish I could remember the episode, but once uh, you said me, I said something like the women who got multiple orgasms over and again, do it to the point of physical exhaustion, which is true. There are some mm -hmm. women who will just have one after the other until they're just exhausted and that's when they stop. I've never heard a more accurate description of my own experience, not bragging, just felt truly understood in that moment. Most people assume you're lying uh, if, unless it's something they can also do. My question is about having orgasms with no physical stimulation. I experience this almost every time I have sex and sometimes before sex if I'm geared up enough. It feels almost exactly like an orgasm just with less pronounced muscle contractions. Is it possible or is it some sort of phantom orgasm? I never heard anyone <laughs> talk about this. Huh. That's really interesting. I think that's possible. It sounds possible to me. It's possible. And again, women that are multi-orgasmic will sometimes get triggered even by sitting on a cold floor. Yes. 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you one of these people? I'm not one of these people, but yeah. I do know You've a heard couple. Of that. I know a couple of these people, right? And mm-hmm. so, so, it, it, so almost anything can trigger it, uh, at least a mild version. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's so you're set up. Uh, yes, of course, you're sort of very easily brought to orgasm. Any sort of penetrative action. Direct mm-hmm. stimulation is excessive. They feel uncomfortable with that. They don't like oral sex, things like that. Mm-hmm. And they start orgasming and really often immediately as soon as the yeah. intercourse begins. And and then they can have they can have what's called uh, persistent sexual arousal afterwards. Oh. They can literally start having sort of uh, earthquakes okay. for up to a day or so afterwards if, if the stimulation was aggressive enough. Okay, I've heard of this, but I've heard it referred to as a micro-orgasm. Like no, afterwards, sure. I guess sure. it could be equal but some, to. But yeah. some women have it chronically when mm-hmm. they keep having orgasms. That seems like, inconvenient. It's inconvenient and uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> it eventually starts to hurt. And yeah. Stuff. So 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 persistent female orgasmic arousal is uh, I forget the exact term. It's like persistent. Mm, I think it's persistent sexual arousal it is not necessarily as fun as it sounds. No. Uh, you're and how how what discussions have you had with women about this particular phenomena? Um. So I know a couple women that I would say, especially in the adult industry, that I would say yes, genuinely have that are like that. Um. I know several women in the adult industry that I would say, with about ninety percent certainty, fake that because sure. it's part of their job. Sure. Um. And so I think, and I do see that there's kind of that. You, like you were saying, the dichotomy between women who have it and everyone else who's pissed at them and doesn't believe them. Right. Um, so it's a small percentage that do this. Right. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It's not common. Um, but I do know women that are like that. I obviously believe them. Um, I think it's really obnoxious when people fake it, just because I'm often on set with them and it's loud and, and annoying. Yeah, like yeah. it's. I know no one talks while they're coming like that. Right. Yeah. Do you have climaxes in work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes. Not typically, but sometimes. Sometimes. Big fan of the show. Thanks for entertaining. Uh, my boyfriend literally has to shit the second he has food enter his body or he's just, <laughs> or if he's just breathing. Is this normal? Is uh, any around? Can we talk to him? Is he, is he here? No, he's not in today. Uh, damn it. Uh, he's usually uh, on the porcelain throne from anywhere to 30, 45 minutes. Thanks for everything. 30, 45 sounds a bit excessive yes, to me. Yes, uh, But there is something called the gastrocolic reflex, which is uh, when something particularly warm hits the stomach, it causes mm-hmm. a contraction in the colon. Some people, that can be rather profound. Gastrocolic <laughs> reflex. Uh, have you heard of pathological demand avoidance? I looked up the symptoms and it sounds a lot like Bobby Lee. I have not heard of pathological <laughs> demand avoidance. Bobby sounds like a lot of things, but he's mostly a drug addict. Uh, you, you guys know what you're looking it up right now? Let's see what it says on our big screen. <laughs> Show me pathological demand avoidance. <laughs> Here we go. Something weird I've never heard. Okay. Um, is a condition which is part of the autistic spectrum characterized by a need to avoid or resist demands like any other people in the autistic spectrum. PDA experience high anxiety levels and feel they are not in control. Uh, I've never really heard of that. Uh, I don't deal with a lot of autistic spectrum folks, at least not, not in any kind of systematic way. Uh, I'm sure this exists. Uh, that is not Bobby Lee. Yeah. I've only seen him performing, but I don't see him as someone who's not in control. Correct. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's get to some voice messages, shall we? What do you got for me? Hi, Dr. Drew. Um, I started on Zoloft a couple months ago, and uh, I've noticed a huge change in my, um, I guess, my sexuality. I My libido has gone up an insane amount. Oh. Um, and uh, my husband and I have kind of dabbled in and out of an open relationship, but... I guess I've lived with depression for so long. I was diagnosed when I was 13 that all of a sudden I'm less depressed than I was. And 
I guess I was living being numb for so long, and I didn't know um, <laughs> if there was anything that I could do, I guess, to, like, kind of dull down the sexuality. I've, I feel like I need to be put in a cage. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Low-key worry I'm going to end up cheating on my husband. I really don't want to do that, but, like, I am not getting internet from him, and I, you know, have bought toys and stuff like that, but there's just no substitute for the real thing, um, so I don't really know what to do, uh, because it is making me less depressed, but okay. uh, I am genuinely scared I'm going to, like, fuck up and cheat on him or whatever. So, Got it. Uh, anything that you can do to help me would be great. Keep okay. Keep Okay, good. <laughs> I, I was doing that on purpose, because my fear is... The fact that she kept rolling along with yeah. the talking, right? There was a little bit of pressure to her speech, mm-hmm. right? Uh, one of the things that Zoloft can do, he, I, I, I finally heard it was Zoloft she was talking about. Yeah. The Zoloft can affect all phases of sexual arousal, usually suppressing. Makes okay. the orgasm, orgasm difficult, makes libido down. When it goes up, you've got to be worried that you're causing a manic episode. So somebody who's improperly sense. diagnosed, she's not a unipolar depression, but a bipolar depression hypersexuality and pressured speech are both signs of mania or hypomania. So my fear is this was probably prescribed by a primary practitioner, not a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. They didn't know what they're doing necessarily. And she's getting into a manic thing and her life, she could have real consequences. Mm -hmm. She could cheat on her husband, all kinds of stuff. So please go. The bottom line is go see a psychiatrist. Go see a psychiatrist. They can put you on a mood stabilizer that will dampen down, which is what you're looking for. Right. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I take an SSRI and I've had the opposite where it suppressed my libido. Luckily, my libido is very high. So now it's kind of more average. Um, But it was really frustrating, especially doing what I do for the first few months, because I would try to go to work and be like, I would rather be doing my taxes right now. That's how little I'm interested in sex. Right. And that that's sort of the typical SSRI Mm -hmm. Phenomenon, they almost call it like sexlessness. Mm-hmm. Like you could see, watch people kissing on TV and go, why? Right, you're right. right. Like, don't touch me. Yeah, yeah, it was very don't touch me thing. It's stabilized now. I think I've been doing like consistently on it for the last six months. And I've noticed the last two months it's kind of gotten to a point where I don't feel like that anymore. And, and which one are you taking? Uh, I take Wellbutrin. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's the one that doesn't do it that, that usually actually make things a little better. Yeah. That's one that can kind of go up more than down. Well, that's not an SSRI either, by the way. Oh, it's not? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought it was. My bad. Uh, did you take something before that? Uh, I did, but it was a couple years ago. I don't remember what it was. And so mood problems are, have an issue. You didn't mention that. Um, yeah, I mean, I have depression. Uh, I've, I have very severe depression, um, mm-hmm. which can cause bouts of not wanting to get out of bed. And that's actually part of why I, it's another very unsexy reason, part of why I got into the adult industry is because it's a job that lets me make enough money working very few hours so that in case I have an episode like that, I'm not going to lose my job. Um, and I can take time off whenever I need to because I am my own boss and I work for myself. Um, so whenever, if I have a really bad week or couple of days i don't have to you know be on the phone with my boss who may or may not understand right i physically can't get out of bed there's a really good was it netflix or amazon series right now with uh oh shoot what's what's her name that um, ann hathaway okay where she's you know out in the world glorious Mm -hmm. and happy and then And it, it was a really nice study of that kind of depression. Actually, okay, bipolar. Cool. She was bipolar in this case. You're, you're not bipolar, though? No, I'm not bipolar. I just have depression. It, it, and the hypersexuality, has that always been around, or was you know when that kicked in? Um, It's been around pretty much since I hit puberty. Um, Even before that, I was fascinated by certain just 
anything sexual. I think especially because I was really deprived of that. Um, when I was younger growing up, I didn't see any, I didn't see sex in movies. I didn't listen to explicit songs. I didn't have How any. How did you find it? I mean, as a teenager, you know, you, you start, yeah, you start experimenting a little bit. You start seeing movies that maybe your parents don't approve of or whatever. You, you see porn, like you start experimenting with sexuality and i started experiencing sexuality in a pretty normal way i think as a teenager what was that um you know i started kissing boys and making out and you know eventually like progressed to you know losing my virginity and all of that um but i think i was so because i was so deprived of it i've always my line on that's always been that i was just fascinated by it immediately mm-hmm. and and i got a little obsessed with it yeah, were there other things that you were told not to do that you did oh yeah like what uh i used to smoke cigarettes i smoked cigarettes for a very long time um my parents didn't know i actually just found out that they didn't know about cigarettes yeah i quit last year and i like little criminal activity or anything stealing no i never i've never stolen anything actually i've never even shoplifted um i used to drink at parties and stuff if i could get away just very usual yeah i never really did drugs i smoked a little weed here and there i did get in trouble for that in high school one time smoking weed um yeah my Uh parents were so mad uh-oh. You <laughs> lived in Boulder, Colorado, for Christ's fucking sake. What do they think? Um, imagine. It was literally a year before they voted to make it legal recreationally, which I think is kind of hilarious looking back on it now. Another voice message. Let's get it. Hi, Dr. Drew. I'm a 24-year-old male, but about four years ago when I was 20, I went long distance with my girlfriend for about three months. Uh, During that time, I didn't masturbate much when we were apart, uh, so when I came back, we quickly smoked some pot and ate dessert and then had sex. Uh, At the end, I came in her mouth, but when I did so, I ejaculated raspberries. Not whole raspberries, but a mix of cum and raspberries. At first, we basically thought it was blood until we saw the seeds. Uh, it It hurt a little bit, but was mostly just a very strong orgasm. I, we did have raspberries for dessert, so no. that part made sense. No. But I've never heard or read of it ever happening to anyone ever. No. And it's never happened to me since. Okay. My girlfriend has never done the same finish to me because of the PTSD this has given her. Good. So my question is, how is this possible? And is there something wrong with my stomach? Is there a hole that connects my no. stomach to my <laughs> So Kate is in, love the show. Kate is intrigued. Kate's fully intrigued. I can tell. This is, this is something that get, gets on her arousal scale. Mm-hmm. It's good. So, uh, look, did she have some raspberries in her mouth because you said but, you did raspberries for dessert? What, what you undoubtedly had, there's two things that can happen. One is blood, and blood can look all kinds of ways mm-hmm. in the semen. It can look brown, it can look red, it can look, and it can be clotty, and it can be, there can be chunkiness too. There can be a, so you mix the red and the tapioca pudding, you get kind of raspberry. Mm-hmm. So there can be a tapioca pudding and there can be a blood and they can be together. And so I think it's one of those things. Yeah, that's what so. it sounds like. That is, yeah. I had an ex who had chronic kidney stones, uh, but he didn't know what they were. Uh-huh. And so he just was sick, sick, sick. And then finally one day he'd gone into the bathroom. He was, babe, babe, I need you. And I opened the door, just blood everywhere. Sure. He just pissed blood everywhere. I was like, you need to go to the doctor right now. He's like, I think it's fine. And we're not together anymore. That's man. That's man. <laughs> that's man. Till I'm dead, I'm right. not going in. So that's different, though. That's urinating yeah. blood. Mm-hmm. Urinating blood is actually much more serious than ejaculating blood. Hmm. Much more serious. Now, the, in a young person, the most common cause would be kidney stones, mm-hmm. but there can be many, many other reasons, and and, though, and some of them are quite serious and affect the kidney. And yeah. So it's a much bigger deal. When it comes to uh, hematospermia, which is what the semen thing is called, it's usually nothing. Huh. Usually nothing. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. Give me another. 
Hey, Dr. Drew, this is Brett out of Charlotte. Uh, my girlfriend's been suffering with uh, heart palpitations. Uh, they started around April. Uh, she's a 32-year-old white um, with an average build. Uh, she went to the doctor and had an EKG, a Holter monitor attached to her for about 24 hours. And the doctor said everything was pretty much normal, just that her heart was beating early. But uh, for her, it's really uncomfortable. Uh, so that happens around every 30 seconds at its worst. Uh, what seems to be weird is that it uh, seems to regulate when she starts eating low-carb keto, but then it starts to happen again when she starts eating kind of shittier, you know, be it uh, burgers or pizza or whatever. Yeah. Uh, her grandma uh, had AFib, uh, but she was tested for it. She tested negative along with thyroid anemia, et cetera. Gotcha, um, gotcha. I was just curious, is this something that can be regulated with diets, uh, uh, limiting the alcohol? Um, is there any kind of meds or you know whatever practices, right. something right. that can be done uh, naturally? I appreciate your help. Thanks cool. again, and you guys are doing good. Okay. Cheers. So Thanks again. Premature ventricular or atrial contractions are nothing. They are zero. They mean nothing in a normal heart. If she had ischemic heart disease, a coronary disease, mm -hmm. and you get rhythm disturbances, we look at it a little differently. But in a normal heart, they are normal. So I can't say this enough. This is a normal phenomenon. So the beat is essentially like this. Bum, 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 bum. Pause. Okay. Bum. And that second, that after the pause, the beat's kind of strong. Mm -hmm. And that's that second, that's one that upsets people. Because okay. they kind of catches their breath a little bit. So bum, 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 boom. And the boom is the is the one that makes everybody's, mm -hmm. you know, and by the way, in the pause too, also your kidneys put out, your adrenal glands put out some adrenal, some adrenaline could keep your blood okay, pressure yeah. up and that can make people palpitate even more and be more upset and get short of breath and all those good things. But it is nothing. It's a zero, zero, zero. Uh, she should have had an echocardiogram too. I hope they did that for her. Uh, so it's either atrial or ventricular premature contractions or parasysteles. Uh, beta blockers will make these things go away, but beta blockers are more dangerous than the damn PVCs, which are zero. The contractions are a zero, but if she absolutely cannot feel better about it, there are beta blockers out there to help her out. And uh, changes in diet, changes in exercise it would precipitate these things typically. I, I had them really yeah. bad one time when I switched my, my, I was like 20, I was about 24 years old, and I switched my workouts from, evening to mornings, like five oh, in the morning, right. and I started getting them really bad. And yeah, as you've discovered with your girlfriend, dietary changes can make it too. They will go away by themselves. They will just go away. Don't, 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 yeah, but don't make big changes in, in diet and, and uh, exercise. That's mm -hmm. one, one of the ways. Don't not exercise, but just don't make a big change and suddenly start doing a lot more or a lot less. Both can precipitate these things. Fascinating stuff, right? Very fascinating yeah. stuff. Let's go to a video. How about that? Kate's not aroused enough. We need to get, get high arousal, gentlemen. It's up to you. <laughs> Maybe, and you know what your, your task is today, right? Well, I mean, I already have the try it out, you know, some BDSM stuff right now. All right, let's do it. <laughs> All right, so Kate, let me know if this is the type of stuff that you were into uh, back in Colorado when you sure were Sure thing. Black guys would love to fuck and fuck good. <laughs> if you're a hot black guy and you want to <laughs> fuck me at twenty three ninety five, if you want to move in, you can move in, but you got to fuck me. I need, I need to be fucked a lot, man. Get free food, free rent, and everything else, man. Here's a deal, man. Men from jail, homeless, or um, you're a thug, you want to come move in? A friend can move in too, man. Free rent, you get a lease and a key. Fuck me. Piss on me. Beat me. I'm home man now. You see me? You want to come over today and try it out? Try it out, man. If you're in my building, try it out. You want to fucking piss on me? Try it out. Seriously, applied only as fuck, man. I'm looking for hardcore guys. I mean it. I want to do it. I want to deliver it. I'm a hot white trash. Come dump. Let's fuck. 
I do like his mustache. Do I'm you? A, I'm a mustache gal. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Congratulations. I do, however, strongly object to racial fetishization. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's where you draw the line. I So I draw the line because I'm not a person of color. I don't belong in that dialogue. And also... So it's demeaning. I, I consider... I consider it demeaning. Obviously, I'm not a person of color, so I don't feel comfortable saying, you know, yeah, saying yeah. one way or the other. Right. Um, but I also think it's really important that we don't talk about this, especially in adult film where there's, you know, IR scenes and racial scenes. Um, but this, those scenes, a lot of times they're framed in a way where it's basically a large African-American man banging a little white girl. And that is in a very rough way. And I think that feeds into this um this very damaging very dangerous urban myth that black men are sexual animals mm. and that's an, a myth that actively endangers black lives in what way well and the, it's certainly not fair i'll grant you no it's, it's certainly not i fair. agree with you but what how's it endangered? Well, I mean, just you, so i know you could look back at like emmett till emmett till was murdered in mississippi or alabama for i mean this was 50 years ago but for allegedly making a pass at a white woman Oh, so, well, there, there was. There's, oh, there's, there's thousands the, and thousands of cases oh, like that about this. Oh, oh, don't listen. The reconstruction period after the Civil War, mm -hmm. that's men were killed by the thousands yes. over stuff like this, mm -hmm. bizarrely. And yes. so, yes, and uh, our history it becomes is, embedded uh, in our culture. Our in this history weird way. Is, is horribly, mm -hmm. horribly remiss in, yes. in not paying attention to that. So, I love that you brought that up. I think it's great. Thanks. I think it's very, very yeah. great. Um, but. Otherwise, <laughs> what do you think of the side the mustache <laughs> and the and the racial misrepresentations? I'm amazed at the way he kept the cadence of his voice through the whole thing. Like, did he have a teleprompter with no, him? No, that's just, him. Do, 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 do. Yeah, he's I mean, there's I will hand it to him and guess in terms of where where it looks like he's coming from socioeconomically, culturally, I think that's a pretty hard thing for a gay man to be comfortable with in that kind of scenario. He sounds like he's from the South. He sounds like he's from, he says he's white trash. <laughs> well, I spent a little time with him. I went and visited his home in New York City. Did you really? Yes, I really did. You're laughing. I, I need arousal too, Kate. Come on. <laughs> so I get <laughs> I my different ways. I can't tell you're serious. I'm quite serious. Oh my God. And, and we have the interview. Okay. Uh, it, do you, can you get the part, uh, Nadam, out where he's talking about his life in the 70s and the leather scene? Oh, geez, just get oh, it's that, that guy. It's okay. on, yeah, it's on YouTube. Go to our main YouTube channel, and you'll be able to. See Can you show Kate a little bit just to show that we sat and talked? Because by the way, after having spent that time with him, I I view that particular little famous clip so differently now. I can't even tell you. It's bizarre. I don't know quite how I view it. I, it's 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 like hard for me to watch now. Uh, it's like watching somebody. Okay, move ahead, move along. There we go. You're not. Oh, this is the tour, guys. Well, no, 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 no. Oh, no, it isn't. Okay, this it's, is. It's falling apart. The city don't want to fix it. The I want someone to be so. There he is. I want someone to be do it to me. It's me being. I'm the one always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My way. You want to flip. Yeah. You want to flip into so the. From I push that down. It. it it works a little, not a lot. Does anybody take you up on that? A couple did. Did they pay on you? No. No. That's no. what you were asking no. for. It didn't. Just for that. No, just for effect. They got a little aggressive. It was a fine, and we had then we smoked cigars. They were drinking. They were watching me. This is this is what I want. I said, just be the way I want you to be. Where these guys come from? Mm, they came from from a Queens. Were they ex-cons? No, he, he was a cop. Okay, we'll leave it at Interesting. that. Interesting. See? That is, yeah, I did not have the context for this. That is very he interesting. Is, he is fascinating, right? Yes, he is. He's a fascinating man, and I love him. And uh, he very kindly let us come in and interview That's him and cool. figure out what's going on with him. And so a lot of this stuff for him is sort of 
I don't know how to characterize it, but sort of cosplay-ish. Yeah, the leather scene in general has a kind of a... So it grows the leather scene. I don't know how familiar you are. Not, please. So it's actually fascinating. The leather scene in the U.S. grows out of um, GIs returning from World War II. Ah. And at the time, all cultural representations of gay men were very effeminate. It's still the stereotype that we kind of think of, like the queer eye guys. These were not queer eye guys. These were badasses that were out there like killing Nazis. Yeah. Yeah, these are hardcore dudes. And so they come back to the U.S. and they kind of start this the beginnings of biker culture in the United States. Oh. And so they start these clubs. There's clubs all over the country, like Chicago is a hotbed. New York is a big one, San Francisco. Um, and they create these very regimented kind of subculture societies where leather culture is, and I was part of it. I was fascinated. It's, it's now much more pansexual, so women are allowed in, but that's yeah. very recent within the last 20 he, years. He was sort of, he, co- he described it being, taught not indoctrinated by taught but he was like a middle it's to taught. young adolescent you yeah you have to go he through was not old. I mean, he wasn't the right age to be doing it let's be fair but but he, he didn't he was not sexualized for him at that time no and a lot of it's not sexual a lot of it's very <laughs> service oriented you do a lot of volunteer you do a lot of work for older members in the club um you generally have a mentor that will guide you through it um what? but it's, there's uniforms there's tons of protocols in the way that you speak to people the way that you interact with Is everyone sort of in the group militaristic it's very militaristic and that's part of why because it comes out of that gi oh, culture that's so interesting it's fascinating if you're ever in chicago that museum is amazing and it'll walk you through everything in that culture oh, it's nadav it's so interesting. You listen to me. Okay. Yeah. If we get RPC out of that apartment, we got to take him to this museum. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah. That, well, that's one of my goals. And if he we was in it in the seventies, he'll recognize everything in there. It's really oh, cool. Oh my god. It, otherwise, we're just gonna go to the uh, whatever it is he does the uh, the karaoke in uh, Coney Island. We'll just do I'll that. I'm like hardcore guys. Okay. okay. Thank you for that. Thank. Yeah, interesting. Uh, you have other segments for us. Other clips. Yeah, so we have a, a cool lady that I'm going to show you on Dr. Drew's request. Um, you know, she seems to be speaking for all women, so I, you know, let us know if she speaks we, for you. You, you have a really interesting way of looking at these things, and so we're interested in your take. Thank you. And, uh, and you've done your mom's house, so you mm-hmm. kind of know how this goes. So here we go. There's nothing harder to be in a female. Our pussies itch 24-7. They stink. They have these huge warts that grow on them. Daily, 24-7, we're scratching, we're itching, and our pussies fucking stink. Like, they smell like fish. <sighs> Honestly, it's hard being a female. That's why men need to learn to respect us, because we go through a hell of a lot of stuff. See? Oh, my God, that poor woman. She needs to go to the doctor. She has BV. Maybe. Yes. Bacterial vaginosis. But, yeah, she either has BV or a yeast infection or, 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 or an STI. Yeah, trichomonas, another one that's a yeah. smelly. Mm-hmm. But some women just have, um, you know, a chronic thing. Yeah. It happens. Also possible. Um, but I love her. She's, she's so <laughs> nice. She's, she's, she's so... Wanna eat my pussy? I say, you gon' catch AIDS. He say, I don't care. We gon' die anyway. <laughs> Any, anything... I mean, th- she's got a point. She does have a point. It's not a death sentence anymore. She, she has, you're, right. Yeah. It's, you know, I was funny. It's a totally off topic, but, <laughs> but I was watching the, during the uh, Golden Globe Awards, they had a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, the antiviral medication, mm-hmm. a bunch of those ads during yeah. the Golden Globes. And, and I thought, wow. And they had all these pictures of all these people that have been living with AIDS since mm-hmm. for 20 and 30 years and stuff. And I thought, my God. When I was really working in HIV and AIDS, uh, you can't imagine how horrible it was. It was, I mean, it was the 80s and 90s when yeah. I was really uh, very active in it. And it was a death sentence. Mm-hmm. 
It's I, a miracle that we're so much better with it now. It's a miracle. Back to the leather thing. Anytime you talk to old timers from that community too, they will say, and I had someone say this to me one time. It was the most bizarre moment where he just said, all my friends are dead. Uh, Everyone I knew is dead. And it was just this bomb. It, 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 you can't imagine. Yeah, I can't. It, it, it because, and, and I was witness to it all. Mm -hmm. and, I, and it gives me chills when I think about it because the, the people that were the, the community and the victims, mm -hmm. they're just all gone. They're just, there's no one to tell their stories. There's no one to yeah. tell their stories and no one to witness what happened to them because mm -hmm. everyone around them died. Yes. It was this one of the status little chapters of human history and it's it just vanished. Yeah. And uh, it, it's why I went on radio. Really? I, I, it, yeah, it's why I did radio because I was working like crazy on AIDS patients and I realized no one was talking to young people about it and yeah. no one were talking to straight people about it. Yes. And I was like, holy shit. And then we can... <laughs> We gotta talk. This, mm -hmm. this, we gotta talk about condoms. We gotta talk, and it was considered outrageous at the time. Really outrageous. They would talk to young people about sex and sexuality. They're not doing that. I think it's still such a big problem in this country, and I feel mm -hmm. like, especially being in the adult industry, because people ask us all the time, because people do use porn as sex education, and that's a shame. That is a damn shame. Why doesn't porn put stuff out that is meant for sex education? You know what? There's actually some really cool projects being I, worked I, on in that vein good. right now. Because mm -hmm. I heard stuff like that. I heard little rumors yes. and things like that. But 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 you're going to have to do it in, in a way. Are you working on it? I'm not personally a part of it. Um, some of my friends are. I actually had asked them if I could talk about it. And they said that, you know, I can't mention who it is yet. But it you, is you're coming. Gonna ha you're going to have to be not acting. Mm -hmm. Like no acting. Yes. It's going to have to be personal in terms of your mm -hmm. per, the individual's actual experience. Yes. And it's going to have to be entertaining. Yes. That's the hard part. I know. So I don't know how they're going to do all that. I think it's coming out of, uh, my understanding, it's coming out of MindGeek, who owns Pornhub. So if anybody could do it, they certainly have the resources to Please let us know. I will, yeah. Keep me up on that. Yeah. All right. What else you got? Hey, Dr. Drew. This is Michael. Uh, i got a quick question for you. Um married for almost eight, uh, eight and a half years, almost nine. I'm having an issue with premature ejaculation. Um, I don't know if it's because I used to masturbate a lot, like daily, two or three times a day. How can I fix that? Thank you. Love what you guys are doing. All right. I like the way he went from uh, masturbate a lot <laughs> daily, two or three times a day. <laughs> uh, Not even close to my record, buddy. What's your record? Oh, man. So I can't have like simultaneous orgasms where it's one after the other, but I can masturbate for like four or five hours and I'll just lay in bed and just. So you can have just one and then another. Just and then one another. and then I like check my phone yeah. and then I have another like, you and know. Sometimes, uh, sometimes <laughs> women uh, sometimes will engage in that kind of long session mm -hmm. in ways that are a man, it, watching things that a man would never consider sexual even. Yeah, totally. I don't even really watch anything. I just think about stuff. Sexual stuff, or yeah, yeah. sexual stuff. Because yeah. uh, I had one patient that did that for hours and hours like that, mm -hmm. and would watch uh, like SUV, <laughs> like you know, like uh, SVU rather. I often like will have stuff on in the background, or, 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 or yeah. uh, some court something, you know, court series. <laughs> not nothing sexual mm -hmm. at all, which is really that's not the male thing. No, not at all. There's no. I have no need for visual right. stimulus. Right. Especially because I work in porn, so now if I try to watch, I know everybody in it. Oh, it must be weird. It's very weird. Nobody like comes home from the office and is like, you know what I want to watch? Mark from accounting banging Linda from marketing. Because Mark's kind of a dick and Linda's kind of a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It's weird when you see porn and you're like, God, that girl's such a bitch. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. It's happened to me. Kate Kenny. You need to incorporate that into your comedy somehow. It is part oh, of my okay, comedy. Okay, <laughs> That's a bit, yeah. Good, okay. 
that is actually really quick back to what we were talking about earlier that's a big part of how i deal with not being able to read people's emotions and it's part of what made me want to start stand-up comedy as well is that i think my whole life when i wasn't familiar with somebody um i have bits that just exist they're practiced i know how they hit it's basically very primitive stand-up and that's how i would talk to strangers because i didn't know how to talk to them otherwise give me an example like that one that little linda from marketing thing that's very funny it's punchy it's cute and whenever somebody asks me if i watch porn i'm like oh i have an answer got it but okay. i do that for all sorts of things give me another one a um, non-porn one let's see uh oh um i this one's kind of newer but i've been doing this one lately so my younger sister lied about being lactose intolerant for 10 years because she doesn't like mac and cheese and she wanted my mom to stop making it for dinner because I like mac and cheese. Just to hurt me. For 10 years, she made herself throw up. Mm. For 10 years. And she just told me about it like a couple weeks ago. So. Did that really happen or is that just one of your That bits? genuinely happened. They've all genuinely happened. I see. Yeah, but they're just, I keep anecdotes from my life. In Interesting a, anecdotes you know. to, to engage people. Mm-hmm. Safety. I bought it. I bought it. Uh, what is it? Let me dig in your booty. <laughs> what is that? I know, I've been looking at this. Yeah, we both been looking at that. We're going, what is that? Okay, so uh, this is a follow-up to a cool guy that I know you like, Drew. Okay. Um, so let me show you the original so I can jog your memory, and then I'll show you the new one. Did I answer that question in the voice message? I oh, the that. premature ejaculation one? No, oh, I didn't really answer it. Uh, masturbation does not cause premature ejaculation. Uh, in fact, sometimes you should be masturbating more before you get into the heat of battle. That's sometimes one way of doing it. There are numbing creams out there. Putting a condom on sometimes help people. And how about going more than one round? Yeah. Let's, how about that? Uh, be considerate to your partner. Yeah, good for both of you guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yes. For all your beautiful women. You feel me? Just let me eat you one time. Just let me eat you one time. And you're gonna, I guarantee you, you're going you're gonna to ask me to stay to your house. No you're going to... You're going to sleep for three days, my baby. Kate, you Guess what? I can show you what time it is. Sure enough, I tell you, they got a man up above. I can cook for you, clean up your house. You heard me? Listen, when you come home, baby, you just got to jump, jump in the tub with all them bubbles. Guess what? I'm with you 100%. Get with that ball. He's a giver. I'm going to show you. I'm going to make you cry. Are you going to show us? Ay, ay, ay. He's a giver. What a cutie. He is a cutie, right? Yeah. Now, I, where did you guys find more on him? Oh, well, you know, people keep sending them in. Uh, sending them in. Do people like go out and like record him in the street kind of thing? Uh, uh, his home? It seems like he has a camera crew following him around. Yeah, and uh, they like to send us uh, whatever they film. Okay. So, so now we have a new one. So What, what do we call him? The I.I.I. guy? Uh, that That is a thing that we call him. Uh, let me eat you guy. Mm. Uh, let me smell you guy. Okay. Uh, and now <laughs> we're going to call him let me dig in you guy. <laughs> Oh, boy. Because, um, you know, you said you won't be able to sleep right for three days. So here or, or you won't be right for three days. So here's an update to that. That's changed now. Mm. Can I dig in it? Can I dig in your booty? You got to dig it in, Move all that hair. You heard me? What a job. Let me get in here. How you get in there, Yeah, let me, let me work with you. you Straight up. Because guess what? Uh, what? After I get through with you, you're going to sleep for four days. <laughs> Real tough. Not three no more? Ay, ay, ay. Not three no more. Not three. Four days. No, you let him eat that booty. It's four days. You know what? I know where I'm going next. 
Uh, we got to find out where he is. Right. He said he'd cook uh, for you. I bet he'd make I'm a dinner. I'm doing a home visit. I'm doing a home call. Yeah, you need help sleeping, Drew? No, I, I don't I don't want to I-I-I with him. I just want to meet him and uh, thump him a little bit, see what's going on. <laughs> he's, he's a, you know. He's a character. He a, a, looks like a really cool dude. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anything else? You, <laughs> anything else you got for us? Uh, yeah, I got one or two more voicemails that might All be right. fun for you guys. All well. right, let's do them. Hey, Drew, this is Steven. Now, I have a really weird condition to where if I blow my load mm-hmm. and then I go to sleep, <laughs> He's a poet. about an hour later, I'll have a seizure. If Ooh. it's with a partner or with myself, it still happens. Uh-oh. I've had about three seizures, and as long as I take Keppra before bed, I'm okay. Ooh. But... I've looked everywhere on the internet, and I don't know what it's causing, and the neurologists seem to be writing it off as epilepsy. Have you heard of anything like this? Thanks. Yeah, it's actually quite serious, Uh, so make sure they're properly managing. It it is epilepsy, it sounds like. They've They've ruled out other causes of seizure disorder, and some people will have epileptic seizures with almost any kind of stimulation. And so, you know, people don't think about this often, but sexual stimulation is a very substantial change in our body's biology. The autonomic system is turning on in certain ways. There's hormones flooding our system. And so it makes sense to me that that could lower the seizure threshold in some individuals and Mm -hmm. thus you have a seizure. And um, it seems to have an association with, didn't you say after he goes to sleep he has it? Yeah, he said he like, he comes and then he goes to sleep. Yeah, the sleeping may be the bigger issue with the mm-hmm. seizure but, and Keppra is a good seizure medication but uh, just make sure you're proper because you could have this you could fall down It'd you could be, be driving yeah it can be scary yeah. but it's, it, there's no reason to have uncontrolled seizures these days alright what else you got hi my name is Dave hey Dr. Drew I just had a quick question I've been married less than a year now and my wife has gained a lot of weight since we've gotten married about 60 pounds I'm just wondering what I should do and how I should approach the situation. Mm. Thank you, Dr. Drew and Tom Segura, for your time oh. and your patience. Mm. Oh, mm. sweetie. Mm. What do we do? That's the sweetest person I've ever been like. He needs a woman to lose weight, and I feel terrible for him. <laughs> Put this in your bit, too. like, fuck you, but he just sounds so sincere. Yeah, he, he, it, oh, it sounds God. as though he's actually worried about it. It does. Yeah, it and does. that is a lot of weight to gain suddenly. I mean, first yeah. order of business, get a medical evaluation. I mean, the thyroid conditions, yeah, all kinds yeah. of stuff can do this. So medical evaluation, uh, and then, you know... It, Without without doing anything of a confrontational nature, just yeah. well, let's. I want to work on our health. Let's work yeah. on our diet together. Let's work out together. It's a new. It's a new year. Let's get a New Year's resolution going mm-hmm. and do things together that way. I think that could be. Yeah, good. I think it'd be good for their marriage too, for sure. I also think that that's such a large amount of weight to gain in a single year. She knows, so like I don't think that him, as long as he's not a dick about it. Yeah. But I think bringing up like, hey, we gained a lot of weight. Like we need to get you checked. We need to go yes. to the doctor. We should start working out. Like. I don't think that's going to come out of left field as long as he's, right. you know, kind and there's usually about it. a reason for that kind of weight gain, mm-hmm. a reason. Yeah. And so, uh, it's not just, it will have a name. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. A medication side effect or a thyroid condition or something. It yeah. will be associated with something. Okay. This was fun. This is good. Yeah. This was um, very fun. Did you have a good time? I had a great time. Thank you very good. much for having yeah, me. Yeah. You've been very open and honest and it's been very interesting. Did, is it, did we miss anything? Is there anything else you were hoping of t- about talking about? Um, I 
don't think that I could, you know, think of anything super specific. I, I'm sort of curious where you, you've described how you've been changing lately. And you, yeah. you described it as getting old. I'm, I refuse to <laughs> accept that. But you are getting more interested in safety mm-hmm. and uh, being with, with in, in a less arousing environment, yes. more safe environment, right? Mm-hmm. What's the next few years look like for you? Um, you know, I'm I'm not sure. I'm kind of at a point in my life where I, I've always been a planner kind of person and I like to know exactly what I'm going to do next. Mm-hmm. And I think the last couple of years have really shown me that there's, if you want to make God laugh, make a plan because I'm not sure. Um, I would really, you know, I'm trying to date as hard with what I do. Um, it would be it's, nice. So that's going to continue. The, the porn work will continue. You know, it's, it's how I pay my bills right now. It's my job. <laughs> um, it, does it escalate in any way? Does it get more arousing or more extreme? Um, it goes, it goes in waves. I'm kind of at a really nice point with it right now where I've put in enough work. Um, and, and I'm, I hate to like brag about myself. I'm very much not a person like that. Um, I have a high enough profile in it now that I get to be a little bit pickier about what I do. Were there um, any things you did that created that profile? Any extreme behaviors or anything? Uh, or? No, but being on your mom's house helped. Oh, okay. <laughs> what, what What's the most extreme thing you had to do for pornography? Uh, I did a five-guy anal gangbang for kink.com um, a few months ago, and it was a blast. I had a great time. Um, so that kind of stuff I really loved doing. Some of the stuff I didn't like doing as much as like the stepsister, stepdaughter stuff. I did a lot of that when I first started. Um not that it, I've never done anything on a porn set that wasn't consensual or that I wasn't okay with and mm. wasn't didn't know going into it. Um, but there's obviously certain things you're not going to be into everything and every person you work with. So now I'm at a point where I can kind of be a little bit pickier of like, oh, I am attra- I'm attracted to this person. Like we have good chemistry. I want to work with this person Got instead it. of just taking anything that comes your way. So I'm kind of in a good position as far as that goes, which is nice. Um, are you like contractually involved with somebody where that, that they determine that or? Oh, so well, I have an agent, like a booking agent. And generally speaking, especially your first year to two years in the business, if you get a booking because it is so competitive, especially these days, you just take it because you don't know when the next one's going to come. Hmm. And the average career length for, I think, an adult film star today is less than three months. Three months? Is that because people want to get out of it or they just turn over so fast? Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's turnover. Sometimes it doesn't hit. There's... I think somebody just was online today saying anyone can be a porn star and that's just not true. And it's a very intangible quality. There's not, I can't tell you like scientifically what makes Riley well, Reed so famous compared to other performers that I would say are, you know, on her level as well. But there's just something, either it hits or it doesn't. People watch people you or they don't. People of, of calling anyone who's ever done a porn, a porn star. Yes. Which that must drive you crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's not fair. No, I think most porn most porn stars refer to themselves as porn performers. Right. Um, and there are a lot of, you know, and there's so many different kinds of performers. But um, I got pretty lucky in terms of that I have a good fan base. And that lets me, it, I make a lot of my own content now, which is really nice. Because um, then I get to totally dictate. Why not pursuing sort of a academic kind of a... Whether it's even a podcast or... or, or I am this, doing a podcast right or, now. But, but, but something that really digs in in a really scientific way to all this stuff historical and scientific and yeah actually um i'm glad you asked that because yeah. i am working on a project like that right now um i'm working on a book right now mm-hmm. it's a nonfiction book it's it's very research heavy um and basically it's about um the way that data impacts the kinds of media we see online and it uses porn as a case study interesting um so the idea especially of faux porn which i kind of touched on what, a minute faux like fake incest oh yeah like, is it wrong? She's my stepmom. Right, right. So the reason that's a trend isn't because all of these people want to bang their stepmom. 
a small number of people were searching that like crazy on tube sites, which is where most people get their porn. And because porn is an industry that's been so decimated by the advent of tube sites and the internet and free stolen porn, we no longer can shoot anything that we don't know will make money. Mm. So we're at the mercy of this analytic. So like we have to look at the data. We have to take that into account. So we start making all of this faux porn and half the people on the internet are like, what the fuck? I don't want to see this. I don't want to bang my stepmom. But it's really interesting. That's an interesting sort of... Uh, that uh, something like that can happen. Well, and it's also a case study for almost everything that's happening on the internet, including things like news. Exactly. And so... Because some of the shit on the news, I'm like, stop, stop. I just want to see... I just want the facts. Exactly. And so, yeah, I think I think it has... doing it because it, it helps the ratings. Because it helps the ratings. It's yeah. more clicks. It's People yeah. can find it. And so, yeah, I think it has enormous ramifications for the entire digital media landscape. Yeah. I think mainstream media should be paying attention to it because it's going to affect everybody, whether or not it affects them directly right now. Porn was the first one to go down in terms of tube sites where we could no longer monetize content. And the way... Right. And, and porn, you know, sexuality usually is the leading bellwether in technology. Yes, exactly. It tends to be... I'm actually going to CES this week. Um, and uh, yes, it tends to be a few years ahead of everything else. And yeah. so not only that, but the way that adult performers today, like taking it further, monetize content online is way ahead of where I see my friends that, you know, have a Patreon or do podcasts. How do they do it? Well, so I have like five or six different platforms that make me money every month huh. in different ways. So I get like ad revenue from Pornhub and I have subscription sites and I have for sale sites. And so we have all of these different income streams that we're using. Isn't that what Tom Segura does? Is that what your mom's house is? <laughs> it's similar. It's similar. Yeah. Um, but in terms of me, I'm not Tom Segura. You know, I'm right. nobody and I live in a studio apartment in Hollywood and I can pay all of my bills just through this. And I, so I think that's very interesting. It's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. And, and so tell me about this podcast. Oh, the podcast is, it's a comedy podcast. So I think oh. it'll be really fun. I want, do, I want you to do like a, I want you like to do a, like a hardcore nerd something. You That'd know, be that's, cool. That studies the economics of this and the the psychology, and but does it in a in a very careful way, not in sort of so much so much of the material around this area now is mm -hmm. sort of steeped in opinion and salaciousness and, and entertainment, yeah. as opposed to if you look at podcasts on you know they're podcasts on physics for Christ's sake, yeah. right? and and you, there should be a podcast with with there are people studying this stuff mm -hmm. i'm sure you know what it's actually pretty hard to find um i found people that, that study in it? writing this book there are some um there's some porn researchers um but you could do so much more than just the porn you could do primary study like you could mm -hmm. you could interview people that are in the thing and what are they finding what are they experiencing and what, you know yeah and that's that that's a big part of this book and the way we're writing it is i i had the idea for this book a couple of years ago um because i was working behind the scenes in mm. porn and I, I got on this idea and I, you know, I thought this was a thesis I could prove. And so I actually, a big part of getting into even mainstream adult performing was this is a very insular community. It is very, very hard to get interviews with these people if they don't know you. They don't talk to people. Mm. So I know them all personally, which means I can write this book. Perfect. Mm -hmm. You said we. Oh, I have a research assistant who's helping me with it. <laughs> got it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is, and is, does it attract, um, is, is part of that silence also sort of a, I don't know what to describe it. There's almost like an organized, 
You know what I mean? Like an organized crime kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, like, like they're kind of insular that way too. I, would, I don't want to maybe accuse them of being that, right? But but I feel like sometimes it's insular that way. I don't think it's totally wrong, too. There's definitely aspects of that. It's sort of an underworld thing. It's kind of like gambling or, right, you know. Right, I guess that's it. It kind of, it's a vice. Is that because it attracts that, those kinds of people or... or is there somebody like doing that? I think it's a chicken egg thing. You mm. know, you could talk about whether or not it automatically uh, attracts these kinds of people or whether it's been pushed to the margins of society. So right. these Another, it's interesting. It's stuff, very right? interesting. Yeah. Um, but I think a big part of it is just that media representations of adult performers tend to be incredibly unfair. Um, we are often misquoted. We're often quoted as saying other things. They a lot of mainstream media outlets won't vet who they're talking to in terms of adult. I've seen in interviews with quote-unquote like experts in porn and i know this person and they're you know not right <laughs> at all nobody right. in the industry would take them well, seriously. but that's the point there's no sort of systematic standards to all these things and there's no sort of again there's no s study of it within the industry i think we generally You're doing it economically i guess yeah during like i would say within the industry we definitely have a sense of like who there's people i would trust to get an opinion on this kind of stuff or get a statement on it and then there's people that I wouldn't, but I know that because I know them. Well, good luck. It's because <laughs> it, it needs to be done. Thank you. you know, and uh, you seem like super smart, and that we need a super smart person to do it. Thank and, you very and much. You're, and you seem objective on it, which is what what is needed. To, Thanks. To I yeah, I agree. I think the objectivity is something really lacking. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you, thank and you. Uh, it's been fun. And uh, gentlemen, are you all good in the back? Do you have any further questions? No, that was great. Yeah, I think so too. So we'll see you next time. Awesome. Thank you so much. All conversations and information exchanged during participation of the Dr. Drew After Dark podcast or interaction on the drdrew.com website is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or physician medical advice or direction per se. You must always follow your medical professional's advice and direction. Nothing on these podcasts or posted on this site supplements or supersedes the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Please understand, I am not playing the role of physician in this environment per se. I'm educating. I am a licensed physician with specialty boards in American Board of Internal Medicine and American Board of Addiction Medicine.